0: Welcome to the Illuminate Recovery Podcast. We shed light on mental health issues, mental illness, and addiction recovery. Ways to cope, manage, and inspire. Beyond the self-care we will discuss, you may need the help of a licensed professional. My name's Kurt Neider. I'm a husband, a father, entrepreneur, a handyman, and a student of life. I avoid conflict, I deflect with humor, and I'm fascinated by the human experience.
1: And I'm Shelley Mangum. I am a clinical mental health counselor, and my favorite role of all times is grandma. I am a seeker of truth, and I feel like life should be approached with tremendous curiosity.
0: I ask the dumb questions.
1: I fill in the gaps.
0: The Illuminate Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Illuminate Billing Advocates. Make billing and collection simple with leader in substance abuse and mental health billing services. Verification and analysis of benefits, pre-authorizations, utilization management, accurate claim submission and management, denial and appeal management, and industry-leading reporting. Improve your practices, cash flow, and your ability to help your clients with Illuminate Billing Advocates.
1: Jenna Remersma is on with Kurt and I today. Jenna is a Harvard-educated innovator. She's a therapist and best-selling author who is making emotional wellness accessible. By bringing together the best of cutting-edge neuroscience and clinical treatment, she's created a dynamic paradigm shift that helps us move towards the parts of ourselves that are hardest to love jenna thanks for being on with us today super excited and when we you know not everybody that's on is a therapist but when they are i feel kind of near and dear like oh let's talk shop right let's let's really dig down into the nuts and bolts it would um but thanks for being here i appreciate you taking time to be with us
2: it's my pleasure i'm looking forward to, to talking with you both today thanks for having me um it might be
1: be fun to kind of hear about your journey and how you kind of, how you started and ended up, you know, kind of in the space that you're, that you are today and and helping the people the way you are today. So maybe give us a little bit of background.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. It's hilarious. So, um, (laughs) I started out, uh, in, um, in the world, I've always had a passion to make the world a better place. So that was always going on inside of me, Um, didn't really know how to live that out. And I grew up in a very enmeshed relationship with a primary caregiver who had some very strong feelings about how important politics are to kind of save the world. So I grew up and graduated from college and went to work on Capitol Hill because that's what a good and child does when you have a parent who values politics and got a first master's degree in public policy and was gonna change the world through legislation. And that was great until I fell in love and got married and wanted to not continue to be working that much. And then 9-11 happened. And, um, and uh, I actually just was in New York this weekend with my daughter who's now grown. And we went to see the Broadway musical *Come From Away*, which is about 9/11, and I've never cried so hard in all my life. And it took me right back to that moment in D.C. Um, when the Pentagon was hit, and I knew right where I was—my parents' condo. My father's last tour of duty was at the Pentagon, and their condo was filled with smoke. Their walking distance from the Pentagon, and um, that was a pivotal moment. And um, we picked up our family and left dc and moved to atlanta and um came to atlanta didn't know anybody didn't have any connection um, went through an incredibly traumatic um, time in our own personal lives where i started um, getting some personal counseling and and support and um, really had an experience with my higher power um, where My experience was God said, I'm calling you to do this work. And I said, Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, you're not. I'm sorry. You've got the wrong person. And um, we had a nice go round about that for a couple of years. And uh, until I found myself in Africa, um, sitting in the dirt with a bunch of AIDS orphans. Um, And right next to me was the director of admissions for a graduate program in mental health counseling here in Atlanta. And I said, Okay, I give up. I'll go. And um, and so I went to graduate school again, got a degree in mental health counseling, and here I am, all these years later. I absolutely love what I do. Uh, I came into it kicking and screaming, and I couldn't love it more. I work primarily with trauma and addiction, and I am especially excited about a model of therapy that I've become passionate about called internal family systems. Which, Shelley, I know you said you also love, and so. I spend all my time um, training other clinicians how to use it, working with clients, speaking, and um, I just couldn't be more excited or more on fire uh, for what I get to do every day. It's it's really, really exciting.
1: Mm. Very cool. And and I love the way that you, and I know we didn't talk about your book, which we should touch on that, but the way that you really have reached out to people to try and make it more accessible, you know, for people to Get healing and have access to healing. We talked about that a little bit pre-show about what might feel a little bit unfair that you know those who can afford to pay for for you know private pay and and get the best of the best and others who have to use insurance. But you've done a lot to you know put content out there that can really help people. So so maybe touch on that a little bit before we jump right into to what you love so much in their your approach.
2: Yes, I'd love to, because this is really dear to my heart. I'm increasingly struck by um, the, the, the number of people who are suffering, myself included. We are all hurting right now. Like The world is a very um, painful place. There's lots of trauma, capital T trauma, lowercase t trauma. We're all survivors of global pandemic. Um, and all the rest of life that happens in the middle of these types of things. And um, everyone is needing care and support right now and very few people can access it. And that is so wrong. Um, Like there are parts of me that feel very passionate about how do we get what we know helps people um, out to people who are needing it where there's, you know, where we can bridge the gap of access. And so what I've tried to do is first of all, um take very complex models of healing um that all of which i'm trained in because i have you know the privilege of doing this you know for a career and distill them down into three words um and then take those three words and get them to people in as many free venues as possible so i've got on my website i call this approach move towards so if you go to movetoward.com. I've got a gazillion free guided meditations for people to to use this with their parts, the different parts of them that they may be struggling with. Um, I speak about it all over the place. I try to offer as many free resources as I can to people because those of us who have the privilege of knowing the things that bring healing, it's incumbent on us to bring that and get that into as many hands as possible. I just really feel that strongly and it's got to be in a way that's accessible. You can't have to have a PhD to understand this like it needs to be the person on the street who's like I'm having panic attacks or I am continuing to drink even though I'm gonna lose my job and my family or I'm shooting up and I can't stop whatever it is and be able to use it now in that situation without advanced training without a lot of privilege without a lot of access and money that feels really important to me
0: this is a this is kind of a tricky question
2: yes i love it
0: since you're touching base on that you 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 point out the fact that we're in trouble if everyone has to have a phd in order to understand this right we would all be better off if we had an understanding of it yeah do you think that as parents what's what percentage better off are our children if we understand this, meaning if we can have parents understand a lot of this kind of information, is it like inherent that our children are going to be better off or as parents are we sometimes just too close to the problem no matter what and we still end up being too involved or not involved enough or whatever? Does that make sense? Is that a a clear question?
2: It's a beautiful question and I can't, the percentage doesn't go high enough, there is not a number high enough to quantify what a difference this makes for us as parents in our children's lives um, and i tell clients this all the time the gift that you are giving your child is absolutely incalculable when you do your own work um, the the ripple effects through the generations can't even be quantified and i'll prove it to you because i'll just invite anyone who's listening Think back to your own early childhood experience. What would have happened and what would your life look like if your parents had done their own work? If you're like most of us, everything would have changed. Our entire lives would have changed. And many of my clients are dealing with overwhelming circumstances and come in and do the work because they want something different for their children. If it was just themselves, they might give up because it's hard. Um, But they want something different for those who come behind. And I think it is inestimable, inestimable, the change. And it's not just the change that we as parents can help our children with, but every single one of us as a human being, even if we don't have any children, we're not in a marriage, maybe our parents are no longer living, to be able to bring the compassion, the transformation, and the healing to the parts of ourselves that are the hardest to love, every time we do that, we've made the world a little bit better of a place. Because now those parts of us are not going to be engaged in the hurtful behavior that they previously were engaged in that is actually bringing more trauma into the world. And so every single action that you and I take um, to implement the healing principles of, in my case, I'm particularly passionate about IFS and move toward, we could talk more about that, um, to bring compassion, healing, understanding to the parts of ourselves and the parts of others that are the hardest to love, the hardest to welcome, we have made a difference in the world. And the world needs that this is not just about me. And it's not just about you. And it's not just about my addiction, your addiction, their addiction, or, you know, whatever it is that we're struggling with. This is about the world needs us to show up and love ourselves. Well, and love other people. Well, because we're dying from moving against each other. We're killing ourselves move against makes everything worse. And we know that's true intuitively because all you have to do is turn on the news and watch for about 30 seconds and see how's it working for us moving against the parts of ourselves and other people that we don't like. How's it working? Not so well. So let me just suggest that the counterintuitive miracle is to do the reverse. And for some strange reason, this is rocket science we need to move toward we need to move toward the parts of ourselves that are the most overwhelming the most scary the parts that are the hardest to love the anxiety the sadness the panic the parts that are engaging in addiction to try to make our pain better the parts that are doing all kinds of things because when we do that they feel appreciated and cared for and witnessed and not so alone and we allow them we set them up to be able to transform When we try to lock them in the basement, it makes it worse. That's why relapse rates are so high in addiction, is because typical addiction treatment is take that part of you that's acting out and lock it in the basement. By the way, that's also a lot of typical religion. And I'm particularly passionate about this intersection of spirituality and mental health. That's what I wrote my book about. Um, And I'm particularly passionate about that because we often think that Pleasing God or being spiritual is to take the parts of us we don't like and lock them in the basement or try to kick them out. And guess what? That might work for a hot second. And then those parts feel really, really alone, unappreciated, unseen. And it's like Bruce Banner and the Hulk, you know, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And they turn into the Incredible Hulk and burst out of the basement and take over and start acting out again. And we get really mad then and try to lock them back in and go, what's the matter with me? Why do I keep relapsing? Oh, well, because maybe we haven't appreciated where that part of you that learned to try to help you avoid pain first figured out how to do this thing for you acting out, drinking, looking at porn, shooting up. Oh, wow, when, when you were five and mom and dad were screaming at each other and the only way you could get any comfort was um, masturbating because your body was available and this part has been trying to help you since then by looking at porn and masturbating. Oh my gosh, could we show a little appreciation for that part rather than trying to kick it out and lock it in the basement. What else does it want you to know about why it gets triggered and takes you over and makes you do this thing does it like that job no 100 percent of the time the answer to that is no the parts of us that get stuck in these burdened roles doing things that are unhelpful like acting out addictively don't want to be doing it but they don't think there's another option and as long as we move against them and try to beat them up, they have to push back. If I come up to you and push you, you're likely to push me back and be like, what, woman, why are you pushing me? And you should, you should be really irritated with me. I shouldn't come up and push you. And as a therapist, if you come in and say, you need to help me, this part is acting out, I want you to push it. If I push that part, that part ought to be aggravated at me. I don't understand what it's trying to do and where it first learned how. I need to listen. I need to move toward that part. And that's where healing begins. It's the reverse of what we instinctively do in therapy, in religion, in our own self-help, we move against and it makes the problem worse. The answer is move toward.
1: When you said it so beautifully too, that it really comes starts with that self-love of all the parts, right? because nobody wants to be exiled, no parts, right? We're all about belonging. We are, you know, wired for connection. I and mean, these are common things that we say and, and our internal system is the very same. It all wants to be connected. All of those parts have a purpose and a reason. And when we can love them and understand them, it becomes a very different a different um, approach and a different outcome.
2: That's exactly right. As you ben, me, exactly. Yeah.
1: And as you talk about all of these different, you know, awarenesses that you have and, and this approach and how you've come to it and your journey along the way, I heard you talk about several, because we don't come to these without our own experiences, mm-hmm. right? Because it all brings, it brings reality to, it has, for one, we have to do our own work. and yeah. And that's, you know, that makes us relatable because if we're not doing our work, it shows up. You know, you, I don't think you can be a good therapist unless you, you do some therapy, right? Oh, Amen. And so talk a little bit about some of those pivotal experiences that you've had in your life, like the one you mentioned in Africa, sitting in the dirt with these kids, you know, and, and deciding to go and do mental health counseling. Um, talk about some of the pivotal moments. I also heard you talk about and touch on spirituality and how that shifted for you. Talk on about some of those and how those brought you to here, and why this is so powerful for you, and why having a voice is so important. Uh, um, with some of the experiences that you've seen, some of the trans you know transformations you've seen in people's lives.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. If it's all right, if I could give a really quick overview of what IFS is because when I share my own experience I speak about my parts and if people don't know kind of the basics of the parts model it's going to be confusing so is that okay if I just kind of do a high-level overview
1: yeah I think that's super smart
0: you also mentioned that there's three words you want to get out is that part of this explanation or is that something different
2: that's different I'm okay really well, let's
0: come to back to that, that in a little while okay yeah,
2: that's so good um, So, the high-level overview of this model of therapy called internal family systems, the the short kind of version is that, um, and this was developed about 40 years ago by Dr. Richard Schwartz, and it is groundbreaking. It is exploding at a rate that we can't keep up with. There are currently 10,000 people on the waiting list to get into a lottery to apply to the Level 1 training. So, just to give you a sense of the amount of demand, Um, This model is being used in everything from addiction and trauma work to um, international peace negotiations and school bullying campaigns. The application of this model, you can't find a topic this doesn't apply to other than maybe organic, like traumatic brain injury, like physiological, just straight up those types of things. So the applications are immense. And the idea that Dr. Schwartz discovered and he trained me. I'm a level three certified IFS therapist. He's a mentor of mine, wrote the forward to my book. Um, so, um, he's very, very dear to my heart because his work has changed my life. But what he discovered was that at the core of every human being, there is what he calls the, the core self and it is always there. And it is always positive and filled with the eight C qualities, calm, courageous, compassionate, connected, curious, creative, um, these wonderful seed qualities. Every spiritual tradition has a word for this, core self. Uh, in Christianity, it's the God image within. Uh, in Hindu, it's Atman. Uh, in Buddhism, it's Buddha nature. In other traditions, it's chi or prana or flow. Um, we all have a word for it and we all know when we're connected to it because it's a little bit trans- trans- transcendent. There's something deeply spiritual and centered about it, it is the end goal of meditation and mindfulness. And it's our core self, it's the core essence. Now, a lot of people that I work with have some really negative uh, connotations with the word self. Um, From a religious standpoint, they think, oh, well, that means like fleshly and sinful. That's really not what it is, it's just who you really are. But that's not all of who we are, we all have many different parts. And those parts are designed to do and be positive, positive parts of us. They make up our unique personality, but when bad stuff happens and that happens to all of us, our parts get burdened with trauma and they take on roles that are different than the roles that they actually are. And so this radical experience is that all parts of us are actually good. Even if they've gotten stuck doing or feeling things that aren't so good and um, so we have parts of us called exiles that carry our pain these are parts that carry things like shame worthlessness rejection anxiety depression fear Um, and then we have proactive protector parts that try to prevent us from feeling that pain i'm heavy on these these are called manager parts that would be things like spiritualizing control people pleasing perfectionism Um, and then we've got reactive parts that try to make the pain go away when the pain comes up. And those are the things I typically work with. Things like all the addictions, drinking, sex, drugs, shopping, eating, spending, self-harm, dissociating, suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation. And they're all good parts, but they get stuck in bad roles. And so that's a a high-level overview of the IFS model. So as it relates to me, I grew up in what looked like on the surface, a really idyllic, privileged situation. I'm a person um, in in white skin. I am able-bodied. I am straight, cisgendered, um, grew up middle class, had access to education. My parents were married um, and loved me and provided for all my needs, which is great. And it all looks really great on the surface. And... I had parts of me that were deeply bullied, rejected. Um, My dad was in the military. He was in Vietnam my first year of life and then came back and we moved constantly my whole life after that. Um, And I was, I'm an only child. Um, So I spent a lot of time alone without peers, without friendships, without other kid relationships and developed some parts of me that became very burdened with the belief that I'm alone. I'm not good enough. Um, And if you really knew me, you would reject me. And I wound up in high school in Hawaii um, in a very prestigious private preparatory academy, uh, Barack Obama's high school. Um, And I did not fit, me with my buck teeth and headgear and acne and um, awkwardness. And I waltzed into this public or this private school with all these people who'd been together since kindergarten, who had lots of money, were beautiful, talented, went on to all the things. And I was not a fit and was bullied and rejected and um, have so so much shame that parts of me carry from particularly that season of my life, but these really, really strong exiled parts of me that believe I'm worthless, I'm not enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not interesting enough, I'm not successful enough, and if you really knew me, um, you wouldn't want me. You, you wouldn't love me. You wouldn't choose me. And that was the felt experience of these parts of me. Um, and those parts of me carry those burdens. And what we know is when those parts of us get burdened, they stay stuck back in that period of time until we do our trauma work. Like time does not heal these parts. I'm a 51-year-old woman. Uh, and like the thinking parts of me know that that isn't true, but let me tell you something, when those exiles get triggered in me, um, it feels true. I feel flooded with shame. I feel not good enough. I feel worthless. I feel rejectable and broken and they still get triggered even though I've done years and years and years of my own work, but we're all on a journey and we never arrive. And that's kind of a beautiful thing. So I I will not arrive at perfection, the side of death, and I'm good with that. So they still get triggered. And what they believe and feel feels true when they take me over. So I went to the managerial side of things. Most of my protective parts that try to keep me away from that pain are proactive. So I have lots of shiny, you know, make you happy parts. I've got control parts. I've got Oh man, do I have perfectionistic parts? If I do it perfectly, then I won't be a failure. People-pleasing parts, like if I just say yes to you, you're going to like me, and then you won't reject me, and oh my goodness, won't it be great? Um, Control parts, if I can control everything in my environment, nothing's going to come out of nowhere and scare the snot out of me and make my life unsafe. Um, Spiritualizing parts, oh, oh my word. So... I have really academic parts that want to know all the right answers and do it right. I'm a one on the Enneagram. So doing it right is super important to me. And, um, that, that got all intertwined in a faith journey for me. And so I developed a spiritualizer manager, which notice is very different than my authentic connection to the divine within me. Very different. My spiritualizer manager is a part of me that acts proactively to try to keep me from feeling my negative feelings by using God language and doing God stuff. And, um, and it turns out just like all my other burden parts, it's really damaging, even though it's super well-intentioned really wants me to do it right so that I'm pleasing to God or that I'm pleasing to my faith community. And it works really hard. Um, and it tries to hold back the emptiness The spiritual emptiness behind all of that because of course my real connection to the divine doesn't come from a part it comes from the god image within me Um, that core self that we referenced i have a couple of firefighter parts not a lot Um, those are the reactive ones i tend to be manager heavy i work a lot with people that are firefighter heavy they're they're all wonderful i love them all my main firefighters that get triggered when my exiles are flooding so when i'm feeling shame anxious worthless rejectable Um, I've got a firefighter that jumps in to try to make me small, which is hilarious because I'm five foot nine. So like the get small part, has got a big job, but, um, uh, I've got a don't use your voice part. Um, I've got an angry part. I've only known about this part for like the last eight or nine years. I never even knew I had an angry part. And it's hilarious cause this angry part of mine looks like the guy from inside out the movie His little hairs on fire and he's like a little cartoon and he jumps in and is really angry. And I never was allowed to know him. I've just met him recently in the last like eight years or so. And his job is to try to protect my healthy boundaries. And he's royally pissed because no other part of me has ever tried to do that. So he's all on his own to try to protect my boundaries. And he gets all fired up when somebody violates them. So he's a really cool firefighter that I've got that, that I really have been getting to know. Um, and there are lots of people that I love in my life who have lots of firefighters that have been active in their lives, firefighters of alcoholism, sex addiction. Um, uh, I guess those would be the primary ones. And I come from a a legacy of people who have those firefighter parts. So a long line of people who are trauma survivors who have tried to manage their pain through alcoholism, drug addiction, sexual acting out. Um, and of course, just like all of our parts, especially mine, um, that is really well intentioned and it certainly makes the problem worse. So that's a little bit of the the soup that I swim in. Um, and why i love this work so much is because my parts for most of my life have believed that they were not welcome that they were bad um and that what i really needed to do was either shiny them up a little bit more put on my plastic fantastic so that you would like me and not reject me and think i'm wonderful and do it perfectly and all the things um or lock them in the basement Cause like, heck, I was not going to let you see my shame or my worthlessness or the part of me that has no idea what the heck to do. So parts of me felt like the solution was to lock those up in the basement. And of course that just makes their pain worse. And when I encountered this model of move of, of IFS, where it helped me to realize all these parts of me are good and I could actually get to know them and have compassion for them and they could unburden from these terrible roles they've gotten stuck in and heal. <sighs> Game changer. It has changed everything in my life. My faith journey, my work, my personal life, my interpersonal conflicts, my own struggles. It, it has literally changed everything. And I use it every single day with clients, with consultees, I talk about it. I, I teach people how to do this. And I've never had an experience with anyone that didn't feel exactly the same way that my parts felt when they experienced this, which is, Oh my gosh, sweet part of you that is trying so hard to help this person avoid that feeling of rejection by looking at porn or avoid that shame by overworking so bad that you can't ever slow down enough to feel it. Um, You make sense. You are so welcome here. Let me get to know you. Where did you first learn how to try to help this person by making them do this thing? Oh my gosh, that's a very long time. You must be exhausted. Welcome. What's it like to be you? How can I help? Maybe there's a better way to get to the goal than what you've been stuck doing for all these years. And I'd love to journey with you in that because I promise you there actually is a better way. Um, What a gift, right? What a gift. That's how I wanna be received. I want somebody to be there with that attitude for me when I have a part that's triggered that really doesn't feel good, isn't shiny, isn't doing it perfectly. And um,
1: (laughs) that's a beautiful approach, too. And as you talk about that internal struggle that we have, that we all have with our parts, our different parts that are protecting us and keeping us safe in that acceptance, that open place to have a space that's safe to show up and share. Right. Isn't that the very same that we want in our interpersonal relationships is to have a safe place and to know I can come angry And you're going to sit and not take it on and not try and fix me, but try and understand me. I mean, we're doing the very same thing on the inside as everybody wants on the outside.
2: That's right. That's right. And the beautiful thing is when we do it on the inside, we become able to do it on the outside. And so that is why. And I love I just love how you're saying that, Shelly, because to me, isn't that what. Isn't that really the answer to life? Like, isn't that what all of our parts and everybody in the world really just wants? Is to just be seen and to be welcome and to be loved exactly as we are. Not as we should be. Because I don't know about you, but I'm never going to be as I should be. Um, But without any judgment, without any fixing, without any shaming, without any of the move against energy. Bring it, people. Mm. And that's to me what spirituality at its essence offers us promises us, but somehow it gets a little bit wonky in my experience. Um, when my spiritualizer part tries to jump in and make that happen, the place that should be the safest becomes the most dangerous, the place where I should be able to speak for all these parts of me becomes the last place on the planet that I would. And so the implications are profound. And so what I've done is I have tried to, to make this accessible so that if, if you're listening and like, you're like, yes, I want to feel like all parts of me are welcome. Like, how do I do this? I've got a quick answer for you and I hope you find it really accessible. I've tried to take this powerful model and distill it down into three words, notice, no, and need. Hmm. And this works inside of us and it works outside of us. So let me start outside and move inside. So let's say that somebody comes to us, whether we're in a helping role, we're a therapist, or a coach, or a counselor, or a boss, or we're a friend, or a partner, and they say, I just, oh my gosh, I just am yeah. struggling with X. Or, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm feeling so overwhelmed by Y, you know, or Z. We naturally start to get parts up when that happens. We may get a rescuer part that, that needs to fix it or figure out a solution. Or we may need to get a spiritualizer part wants to show up and go, well, you know, like perfect love casts out all fear. So if you would just get on over there closer to perfect love, which is Jesus, then you won't feel all that fear <laughs> or whatever your particular faith orientation might be that would have a spiritualizer part. Or maybe we have a distancing part or a judge part that's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you struggle with that. Well, at least I don't struggle with that because, oh, man. Um, normally parts come up, but what would it be like for us to just go, wow, where do you notice that sadness in your body? What do you think that sadness wants you to know about why it's here? What do you think that sadness might need from you in this moment or need from me in this moment to feel a little more comfortable? Notice no need. Helps me to move toward the parts of you without going into a part of me, (laughs) of needing to fix it. That's how we are with one another in this deeply winsome, loving core self, or God image, if you like. Doesn't matter what we call it. We call it Fred. Notice no need. What does that look like in myself? Well, if you'd like, I could do a little guided meditation right here then we could just do it together if you'd like. Would you like to do that?
1: I think that would yeah. be fun. Let's let's do it. And, and I also, you know, as I'm, I'm listening to you share kind of these parts that you experience, right, and, and the parts that show up, the whole the whole idea is to just increase awareness. Like this is really part of who I am and have that acceptance of, oh, wow, and what do I want to know about them? Which, which it's all awareness, right? And we, we, we have all of this in, in the recovery industry, awareness, awareness of what's happening. And here we can give it names and personalities and you know, and roles, and, and it just becomes so much more clear that I love it. So yeah, let's do, let's do the guided meditation. That would be fantastic.
2: Yeah, I love it. And I love what you're sharing, Shelly. And, and what I would say is, um, yes, it is awareness. It opens our eyes to what's really happening inside of us in ways that nothing else I've ever encountered does. And it doesn't stop there. Because if the only thing I do is know more, I just know more. My thinker part has a little more ammunition. It goes deeper into experiencing differently, which is why applying it is the the necessary ingredient because knowing about my parts and actually moving toward my parts are like night and day experiences Um, and that's the beauty of trauma work the knowing about parts of me are in my prefrontal cortex they live up here in my brain in the frontal part of my brain and i'm super strong with thinker parts and so i tend to live in the prefrontal part of my brain and that doesn't heal anything because my trauma lives in my limbic system It lives in the back region of my brain, which is why we know all kinds of good things. I know I should eat more vegetables and I know I should drink a glass of water and I know I shouldn't, you know, binge watch Netflix and eat a bag of Oreos. That doesn't change my behavior, but experiencing something different does, which is why taking it to that next level of actually doing it like we're going to do right now is so beautiful and so powerful because when we have a lived experience that is different, when we have a felt embodied experience, that's where everything changes because it's in the limbic part of our brain that holds the trauma and um, that's where the healing has to happen. So I love it, I love it. I'd love to invite you to just join me um, in a just an opportunity to move toward a part of yourself, um, and we're not going to say anything out loud or do anything, so just reassure any parts of you that might worry about that. This is just private in, in our own minds. But let me just invite you to, to think of a part of yourself that may be really hard to welcome. It might be a part of you that engages in a behavior that other parts of you really don't like or it might be a part of you that feels an emotion that you really don't like feeling whatever it might be just see if you can invite that part of you gently to kind of come up to the forefront of your awareness just begin to take step one of move toward, which is notice it. Where does this part of you show up in or around your body? How do you notice it when it's present, when it's triggered? And if it's flooding at a really high, High percentage of it feels like it's taking you over, and it's too much. Just let the sweet part of you know that if it takes you over too much, it will lose access to you, and you won't be able to help it. So just offer it maybe a dial, and it's very important that we give this dial to the flooding part, not to other parts that don't like it. But. Just let it experiment for a minute with dialing up or dialing down how much it's flooding, until it hits a percent where you're getting what it's like, but you're not being taken over by it, so you can stay present. And then when you've got a sense of this part of you, and you may get an image of it, or you may not, but any image is fine, there's no right or wrong. Or you may notice it showing up in your body somewhere, to your stomach, or racing heart, or your shoulders, or in thoughts that race through your head, or an emotion. However, you're aware of it, see if you can just notice it and be gently with it with your awareness. Without any effort to shift it, judge it, figure it out, change it in any way, just allow your gentle loving awareness to be with it like a friend and just welcome it for a moment. Once you've had a chance to do that, if it seems to be doing well with your gentle awareness, then you're probably ready to move on to step two, which is just, no. Ask this part of you, what do you want me to know about why you get triggered? And don't try to figure it out, just see if anything comes to mind. And you may want to ask this part of you, what was the first time in my life that you first started feeling this way or doing this thing that you do to try to help me? When did that first start? When did you first start feeling this? And you may notice that some memories may be popping up. And if so, just recognizing the age that you were in those memories and just letting this part of you know that you're really getting it, that it's been feeling this feeling or doing this job for perhaps a very long time. See if you can ask this part of you what it wants you to know about what it's been like for it to have to carry this burden all of these years. And a lot of times parts of us feel hopeless, that there's just no other way They hate how this feels, they hate this job, but they don't feel like there's any hope for anything different. And that's normal. Of course they feel that way. How would they know that there is anything different? But just for today, we won't be doing it in this meditation, but if you're interested, there's lots of resources on my website for how to do this. Just let this wonderful part of you know that there actually is a way that we could help it help it to feel so much better and not have to keep feeling this feeling or doing this thing that it's been doing for so long. So it can be freed up to be the part of you that it was really designed to be once you've really spent time understanding this part as much as it may want to share with you today then you're ready to move to step three which is need just ask this part of you what do you need from me right now to feel just a little bit more comforted a little less activated and again Thinker parts want to try to figure out what a part might need, so just love on those sweet parts, but recognize we're just asking this part of you. What do you need from me right now to feel a little more comforted? And don't try to figure it out. Just see if anything comes to mind. And you may get a sense that this part of you needs something in your internal experience. It may just need a hug. It might need to be welcomed instead of pushed away or shamed or locked up. And if that's the case, go ahead and provide that and just notice how this part is doing. Or it's possible that this part may need something from you in your external world so that it doesn't have to take over so often. It might need you to ask for help or use your voice or set a boundary or say you don't know how to do something or speak for it to a safe person. And if you notice something like that coming up in your mind's eye and whatever it is, feels like something you're willing and able to do, then just go ahead and set that intention. And notice what it's like for this part of you when it knows that you are going to take care of it rather than it having to take over and feel like it needs to take care of you. What a shift. And so as you're ready, just extending so much love to this part of you whether it chose to communicate with you today or whether it was still too afraid to communicate with you at all, that's okay too. Whatever your experience is, is exactly right for you. Just sending love and appreciation to this part of you. And then whenever you feel ready, opening your eyes and coming back into the room around you.
0: You certainly have
1: the right voice for that. We need a call-in show where people can call in and talk about the changes and shifts that were there for them, right? Because it, it can be very profound, something so simple, but can be very profound.
2: Yes, that sure can. And those three words... Um, they don't seem like a big deal, notice, no need. But they really are, because we don't do that in our culture. We don't even do one of those things. Just just noticing and welcoming a part, we, we don't do that well. So even just step one is a big deal. Now those three words, they don't do trauma healing. That, that doesn't unburden our exiles, but it's a real good start. And if you wanna unburden exiled parts, come find people like me who have training in how to do that. It's a really beautiful transformational thing. But notice no need gives you everything you need to know to get a really good start of befriending your own parts and also being a safe person for other people. Whether you're a parent, whether you're someone's beloved, whether you're a neighbor, a child, a co-worker, a boss. When you're in a situation with them and they've got a part up. Wow, where are you noticing that anger? What do you think your anger wants you to know right now? What does your anger want me to know right now? What does your anger need from you or from me to feel a little, a little less activated, a little more safe? To your question, Kurt, if we all parented from that model, what a different world this would be. Notice Mm -hmm. no need. Move toward because move against makes everything worse. So if you're interested, if you like this, come hang out with me at movetoward.com. Um. You can text. Oh, I almost forgot. I have a new way to get content to people for free. If you want to text my name, um, my first name, not my last name, um, because no one can spell my last name. My first name is Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, and you can text that to 55444. And we'll send you all kinds of free resources, a guided uh, move toward journaling worksheet, um, multiple guided move toward meditations. We want to connect you with resources so you can take this and apply it today the minute you leave this podcast because it matters and all parts of you matter. So text Jenna at 55444 or come to movetoward.com or get my book, All Together You, and check that out. I hope that's helpful.
1: Very amazing. So cool. I love it. And this is probably a good ending point while people are still kind of feeling, you know, that meditation and where that took them. So, Thank you. Thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing that, those moments with us and, and, and really being passionate about helping people.
2: It's my pleasure. Thanks for the beautiful work that you both do in the world to, um, to connect people um, to resources through this podcast. I'm super grateful for you both. Thank you.